0: plushcare.com slash loss
1: Welcome to the Happy Mama Movement podcast. I'm Amy Taylor-Kabaz. I would like to start by acknowledging the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation on which this podcast is recorded as the traditional custodians of this land and pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging. And as this podcast is dedicated to the wisdom and knowledge of motherhood, I would like to acknowledge the mothers of this land, the elders, their wisdom, their knowing, and my own elders and teachers. Claire, oh, that music, it just gives me goosebumps and tears and thank you so much. Right from the beginning I want to say thank you for bringing the gift of these songs to the world and welcome and thank you for being on the podcast.
0: Oh, Amy, thank
2: you. You're going to make me cry straight (laughs) up, I think. Thank you for listening and for um, having me on. I feel so honoured to be here and every time someone says that, that they're grateful for a song or they've seen something in a song that um, has resonated, I just, I get goosebumps and I still can't believe it because I've made them for me in an experience that I had thinking I was alone in that experience. Yeah. And that's the power of music, right? That connectedness that we all um, feel, I think. And music has a particular ability to do that at a deep level, I think. There's an energy
1: about it. So tell us how this beautiful collection of music was birthed. What is its story?
2: Oh, I love that you said birthed. Um, So at the beginning of last year, I was probably at the lowest point I'd been, particularly health-wise. I had my second baby. I've got two kids. Um, My son is nearly eight and my daughter is just 10'3". And I had her during the pandemic, um, which as you know, is complex in that, you know, we were homeschooling my son. I work in a media company with my partner and he's kind of the creative engine behind that YouTube and podcasting company. And I started helping him monetize that um, many years ago before anyone knew what a podcast was. And so I was working really hard in that space um, and had kind of, Put myself in the role of supporting creativity and supporting his creativity and other comedians in Melbourne and helping them to monetize their shows. And so, I think since my son was born eight years ago, and when I experienced a lot of trauma through that birth, I just had kept working, which I think is a really familiar story for a lot of a lot of us in our culture. Currently, we just keep it, keep on keeping on. And there were lots of pieces over those eight years since he was born um, as life happens where I didn't really stop and I just kept going. And then when COVID hit and um, I then had, you know, that kind of isolating experience. I know a lot of mothers went through where what you think is going to be the birth of a child and then there's all these people coming over to to visit and all of those beautiful experiences weren't there. Um, Plus, we were trying to keep the business afloat and it all went really well, but I just didn't stop. I didn't take maternity leave. I you know, just kept, just kept on keeping on. And then when I got COVID um, in January last year, I was hit for six um, and it developed into long COVID. I couldn't even watch TV. I was so exhausted. And I think a piece of that was also this word postnatal depletion that I now know about as well, where as mothers, we often neglect our health. Completely, so we're vitamin deficient as well. We're not eating properly. We're not sleeping properly, and our body just tells us because our body holds so much wisdom. Our body just finally goes well enough is enough. If you're not going to stop yourself, I'm going to stop you. Um, and mm-hmm. so I could sort of just parent. I couldn't work, and so I spent a lot of time resting in bed, which is very unlike me. Um, and so. At that time, the only thing I could really do was listen to things and podcasting is my job. I'm an interviewer and, um, and obviously I was working in that space so I didn't, podcasting didn't feel like um, restful and so music kind of came back into my life at that point and I realised that um, that has always been the thing, that has been the part of me that feels the most me. I don't know if you resonate mm. with that but there's a part oh, of yes. us and I've, we all know it. There's this voice and we squash it down very far often because sometimes that knowing is the scariest bit. Um, And Mm. I always had sort of said, well, I'm not really good enough for that dream. That's not, it's too scary and too big, but also I'm not perfect at it. And in my early 20s when I was a primary school teacher, so I was studying primary school teaching. That was my first career before podcasting. I studied uh, voice as part of my degree Um, But that was classical training and in classical training, and I think we do this a lot with kids, um, we teach them to be perfect and that each note has to be perfect and the thing that you focus on is the note that's not right and you lose a mark each time you go to an exam. And so for me I think part of the reason I hid and ran so far from singing and music was that I never felt good enough and that message really was ingrained in me. Anyway, mm-hmm. that's a long way of saying um, when I was resting in, in these sort of dark rooms and listening to music, um, something opened up in me and I developed I developed a cough during COVID. I'm getting emotional now. I developed a, a cough during COVID, um, which was really annoying as a podcaster, and so I told myself I'll go get some singing lessons because she'll be able to help me with this cough. That was the line, the story. We all tell ourselves <laughs> stories. That was mine. Um, and so I went to her and said, I just need some help. You know, I used to sing. I'm not very good. I did it years ago. I just need you to help me with some breathing techniques for this cough and, you know, this that'll be great. And I'll do this as part of my recovery process. And I do really believe in creativity as a pathway to healing. I think it's really undervalued in our culture. And so... I went to my teacher, Bianca Fenn, who's a very special, very intuitive person, and she immediately saw something in me that I hadn't seen. And I started songwriting quite quickly after that, um, just I think as a way of reconnecting with who I was but also trying to understand what happened to me through that whole process of those eight years since my son had been born. Um, And she saw one of the songs that I put on Instagram. It's called This Mother Thing. It was the first one I wrote um, and it's about that complexity of motherhood. We talked about this off the podcast that um, we're slowly teaching our kids to leave us and also as mothers we often want to be left alone and the the chorus to that is um, will you go but also stay, will you grow but also never change. Um, This mother thing is full of scars. (laughs) To be free
0: to free Will you go
2: to me that encapsulated the complexity of how I felt in motherhood, that I want to be doing other things but then I'm away from them and I'm immediately wanting them to be close to me. And I also love this little person they are in the moment but I know tomorrow they'll be different and it's loving each part of that journey. So um, all this is to say that I started with that song and Bianca saw it and said, you're a songwriter, did you know?
0: And mm, I've always wow. had songs
2: following me around since I was a kid. I sort of, I confessed to her that I thought it was normal that I got really, used to have quite a few wines and then hide away in a toilet cubicle and sing songs into my phone. <laughs> and
1: I thought other people did that. You thought that was normal? I know, in hindsight, no, obviously, but, but, you know, I've
2: done that for a long time. I've always had little sort of songs like, yeah, following me around or singing them or writing them, lots of poetry and things. And so from there, um, I think in the stillness of, of trying to rest and heal as much as I could, um. These songs just kind of burst out of me. I started with those two um, and I wrote Lullaby, which is a love song to my kids. Um, and actually I record, wrote that and recorded it very quickly on my phone as a little video and we've used that original audio on the album um, because the rain was on the on our tin roof. I was oh, playing wow. a candlelight and that song came out in one go in about ten minutes. It was this sort of, wow. This love song to my kids about wanting them to be just who they are and that I will love them and accept them in all of their complexity. They don't have to be perfect, they don't have to be good. Um, they don't have to prove anything to know that um, they're understood. That's the kind of line in that song. You
0: are my story
2: Goosebumps talking about it because the first line is you are my starry spy and I sometimes think that song has come very deeply not just from me but from someone else. It feels like an ancestry song. and My mother mm. lost her mother when she was seven um, and I often am just wondering and curious about where songs come from but that one in particular I feel like I wrote it for my children in mind but really it came so fully formed. I feel like it's from someone else or someone. Um, And so I took these songs to um, Bianca. Well, she saw them, said I should do something with them and connected me with her nephew, Ezekiel Fenn, who's a music producer. Um, And he thought he was going to get this mum come in and kind of do it as a hobby, which is, I think what he does quite a lot. Like, Just he will go away with a voice memo from someone. Turn it into a track. Give it back to them, and then you know that's it. That's that's done. And I came into his studio with another new song, not just the ones that I'd sent him, with all these ideas of how I wanted it to be. That was Fear to Feel was the first one we worked on. We were in the studio for like seven hours, and at the end of it, he was like, "That was fantastic." I said, "I know." So strange, like just. I had so many ideas of using breath as beats in that track and it begins with an intake and an exhale of breath and that was really important to me because I wanted it to be, um, I don't know, just deeply connected into when I wrote it. That was another one that came out probably in half an hour, just being still. It was like it's a story of desire,
0: that song. Sarah. Do you need me, do you want me, let me show you
2: Um, at a deeper level, mm. it's a story of um, reminding us to feel and not be afraid of our emotions and our feelings. But I also was watching a lot of Secret Life of Us during COVID and it sort of like reminding me of being in a different time before I had when I was in my 20s and you're going to a house party and you don't know if that boy that you like is going to be there and maybe you're dating someone really complicated and you don't know how they feel about you and there's that tension and excitement and will it happen, won't it happen and so it was a story based on that and also there's a beautiful um, podcaster I love, an author called Dolly Alderton um, who's wonderful. She did a podcast called The High Low and recently released a TV show based on her memoir Everything I Know About Love And there was a song in that, there was a cover of The Pretender's Brass in Pocket that had this rolling snare drum and the character is kind of running to this complex guy that she really shouldn't be dating during it. And that song sort of, I wanted that rolling snare drum in it because I loved that idea of it representing that sound of desire and beat. Um, Anyway, so that's a long way of saying that's where they started and then they just kept and so, coming and coming. So, yeah.
1: And so at what point did you begin to believe in yourself with this? Because we all have these, I guess, well, not all of us, many of us have these little creative moments. And then that voice, as you said when you were younger, of, well, it's not good enough, it's not perfect, it's just a hobby. When did it turn from this long COVID exploration of your feelings to? oh my gosh, I think this is something, and, and where did that come from? Mm,
0: that is such a good question. I think I just had this
2: sense that there was um, a drive and a purpose, that this was the thing I loved more than anything, that if I could mm. choose to do anything with my life, this is what I would do, and it felt so aligned. All the other projects I'd created, I'd started, like I did a couple of different podcast iterations of things, and they sort of felt okay. And like, yes, I'm doing something creative for me. And always isn't that lovely? But this was almost like being visited by Elizabeth Gilbert in her book, Magic, talks about this like a presence, a creative force, an mm-hmm. energy. I feel like I'm in a dance with the universe, for want of a better word, like this yeah. person or. A, Entity that's kind of visiting me. And for me not to take that seriously would, and not to really go, this is what you are born to do with your life would just be just a real bloody shame, wouldn't it? And yeah, I, I really absolutely. just think I was at such a low point that I was so cracked open I, that mm. I could allow myself to do that. And I think also. It was the first time in my life where I had given myself this rest and space and I deeply believe that once you're still and really resting, that's when that voice really starts to fill you up and you really start to know what it is that you want to do with yourself and your life. I think the other part about it too um, was that I was, I I sought um, the help of a naturopath called Freya Lawler Help me with my COVID symptoms. And I know this sounds strange to connect this to music, but she said to me if you don't stop and rest, you will not be able to be the person you want to be for your kids and your family. So you need to do this for you. And I promise you, on the other side of this, you will have more energy, be able to do more, you will be more in touch with you and have a life that is structured to allow you to flourish. and she's she was completely right, completely because that, on the other part side of all of that, resting and reexamining the way my life was supposed to be on the other side of that. Um, was yeah this person that I, and this music that has meant so much to me. I think also the other part was, um. Having someone professional in the industry like Bianca. Say to me, and she counseled me through so much of it that you are good at this. Like this is something you're good at. um But the whole way through, I took it seriously for me and gave it everything I could. But I was still doing it for me, not for anyone else. So at the end, you know, that's the thing. If you do it for yeah. you, yeah,
1: that's what you have to do it for. Right at the beginning, and maybe always. And how did the retelling of that experience of the eight years of motherhood because that's what you do i'm definitely not a songwriter can't sing happy birthday but um (laughs) i am a writer and so what i love and i feel the same way about writing as you do about songwriting and singing in the writing process i coach myself i heal myself i retell the story to myself I pull out my strengths, I see it through different lenses, I get to the other side of an experience through that process. So through the process of writing these stories, these songs of your experience of motherhood, how did that change it for you when you look at those eight years now?
2: Mm. How did it change it for me? Um... It allowed me to understand myself at a very deep level, and also understand what had happened to me. And I think the word "matrescence" — it's what I called the album — did not come until I'd finished those eleven songs, and I was looking for a word to explain what had happened. Love that, right? I was. I think I was in a
0: thesaurus,
2: like online, just looking <laughs> for words. <laughs> really. Because I wasn't writing about motherhood, I didn't think. I was writing just what I felt. And, and mm. um, two of those songs, Cold and also All, All Kinds of Lovely, are songs that I wrote in my early 20s that I um, left there and reimagined for the record. Um, and it's interesting, All Kinds of Lovely was a song that the sort of lyric was, he sees you like bread to butter, like Coca-Cola in summer. He sees you like flowers in bloom and it was this idea of me in my early 20s and it was really my husband now because we've been together since I was 19, how he saw me, you know, like he sees you like flowers in bloom oh, when you walk you into like the room. Bloom. Just that idea, you know. When
0: you walk into the room like a post from the blue I'm all in love with you You're the icing on my cake And the sugar in my coffee The rainbow to that pot of gold The oh, jeans you're kind You're the icing on my cake and then
2: I reframed it, now it's I. I, you like I see the you the like bread to butter, to because, bread butter, butter because I'm a woman, I'm 37. I can decide no who I love and and also f- it's for my kids too, that idea I see I them walking into the room and that kind of joy that ha- is in motherhood. Um, and so I think even that change helped to reframe and make me understand more about myself and who I was before I had kids. And the word matrescence profoundly changed my whole idea of what I had been through because it was an Mm -hmm. adolescence, you know, that Mm -hmm. second becoming this new person. And cold as well was about complexity in relationships and when a relationship turns cold inside it. And we know that, um, In relationships and in motherhood and parenthood, we're not the same. We're different people and so our relationships change um, and that looks different for different people in different ways. But I think we've all been in different situations where something that has so much heat in it suddenly
0: is cold. But what you've done is break me down so far I can't get up Cause you're so cold now Just cold words now Cause you're so cold now Just cold words now I'm threadbare and bursting Slowly
2: as um, And so I sang that song from a very different place um, and that song, some of them are completely my story but, but that song, that's a character based on stories that I know of friends in my life or women that I know because and I've seen it happen. It happened to me in my early 20s but I know that's a part of um, what we go through as parents and mothers too. Um, but how did it change yeah. me in that way that the word – as the word matrescence changed me too, I suddenly realized what I went through was um, completely within the realms of normality. In that, as broad as we are as human beings, as unique as we are as women, our matrescence is unique and different too. But it is a real concrete thing that we go through. Um, and I don't know, I was never diagnosed with postnatal depression. But writing the songs and then when I sang particularly my song Self, which speaks into birth trauma, the complexity of breastfeeding and the shame I felt when it didn't work, Um, the kind of pressure that culture seems to put on us to be perfect, we put on ourselves and this sense that we've failed before we've even started and that, you know, the first line of that song is woman at the start broken open now, which is how I felt in that very first moment after my son was born. 24 hours because my breast milk didn't come in and I'd had this birth that so out of what I had imagined for myself and was so traumatic. Um, And there's a lot of reasons for that. Ironically, one of them I think was that the midwife that I had, and there's lots of incredible midwives I've met, but when I started contracting, this sound came out of me like singing. And now I know I'm a singer. Of course it did. And I know that helps with the vagal nerve, with stress, with everything. And imagine if I'd been able to sing my kids into the world, who would I be on the other side of that? I wonder that a lot. Instead, this midwife told me to be quiet, get back on the bed, you're making too much noise, you'll exhaust yourself. And that is the system I think we're in. It just shut me down and then my body shut down. So I ended up um, in a pretty traumatic place in the end, um, which I'm so passionate now. Um, particularly having a daughter I think as well um, and understanding matrescence and also the fragility of birth and that we need to advocate for our, ourselves to have a safe place to do that in the way we want to and that you can kick someone out of the room if they're not right in that moment. Um, yeah. You know, I, I want the world to be different for my daughter in that context um, but I think um, particularly for that song, self, um, for women to listen to that and know that at the end I wrote the lyrics, but I really think I was talking to myself that you are beautiful and wonderfully made and that shame isn't yours to hold, you know? And I think as mothers, we're often shamed for all different reasons. If we work, if we don't work, if our body doesn't look the same, if we're not the same person, if our kids aren't, Doing the thing we're supposed they're supposed to be doing, whatever. Mm-hmm. I feel like shame and failure seem to follow us around. Yeah. And I don't think that's fair
0: all right.
1: It's such an incredible collection of music. And I know that the impact that it is having around the world is not surprising. <laughs> <laughs> but At the same time, it has been a beautiful surprise for you to have had this um, momentum building around it. Can you share just a little bit of what the reaction has been um, before we finish up and then we'll tell everybody what we're doing?
2: (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, it's been mind-blowing. So I released it in February. I released the first single in December last year. Um, and then February the whole album came out as a whole piece. I was It was important to me that it did because I wanted it to tell that full story of Matrescence, this word i just discovered. Um, and I just, uh, my launch I had to change the venue because it sold out and so I made it a bigger venue. So we had almost 200 people at the Brunswick Ballroom come and it ended in like everyone standing up and me crying and like this, standing ovation. I just could I know Amy, I just couldn't believe it. I just really, I remember the whole way through thinking, I don't think this, I don't know, I've put everything into this, but I was so proud of it that it was a real thing in the world that I'd done, that I'd actually made an album of 11 songs. The rest was icing. So I just really (laughs) didn't know that what I'd done was something. A friend of mine, I sent it to early. She said, I have never heard an artist Write music about this time in a woman's life, in a mother's life, in a parent's life, like from that place. And my friend, and it's so made me. She said it made me feel so seen, and that I've heard again and again. So now, like even this morning, I got a message from a woman in Hamburg, in Germany, who'd made a reel all in German about my music. I'm I'm now going to the UK to do some songs over there. I've just had women reaching out from everywhere. My show that I just did over the weekend sold out again in um, the Wesleyan in Northgate in Melbourne here and I've been invited by artists to go and perform with them in regional Victoria and take it to women who are isolated in those communities and each one, every time I do this show, the women that I meet particularly who share their stories with me, I mean I then got invited by the Wheeler Centre which is a, in Melbourne is where they have these big writers' festivals. It's unbelievably. They I just sent it to them, and initially they were like, "Oh, sure, fine. Um, thank you so much for sending it." But you know, we have lots of women doing incredible things. We'll see you in the audience for this Mother Festival, which was um, a festival about motherhood and creativity. Um, and then they listened, and beautiful Beck, the organizer, sent me an email while I was at the Ocean Grove um, Water Park with my kids, and said, "Can we make it the soundtrack?" And they played it for three days straight and then invited me to sing at their gala for 500 people and I sung self a cappella because um, Zeke, who I sing the music with, usually couldn't make it. And so I just got up there with all these women I admire and authors I admire and sung this song. And just, I mean, the reaction I've had and the women who've come out to me afterwards, I just had no idea how, mm. yeah, I just had no idea, been magic,
1: really magic there's something not only so beautifully bonding for all of us in the music, but in, as your friend said, in sharing the truth of this experience of bringing it together and saying, this is what it is. This is matrescence. This is the experience. And, you know, finally, finally, we can start seeing the impact of this around the world. It feels like These little fingers of matrescence are spreading out like little rays of sunshine that are just spreading out around the world and touching in so many different ways through a book, through a podcast, through a song, through a conversation, and this is what we most need so that we can finally all understand what this is so that when our daughters and our kids become parents, they can, instead of judging and shaming themselves around this They can feel like they understand what's happening differently. Um, Mm. I'm so incredibly grateful that we have connected and that I can share your music through this podcast with everyone. But we're also going to be doing some events together. We have one coming up in Australia, in Sydney Mm. in July, and we're also Mm. going to do a couple of things together in the UK, which is Phenomenal! We haven't even met in person yet and we're I already travelling to the other side of the world together. So this I is don't. what Matresence does.
2: It does. Oh, this is what I mean by this entity, this sort of force. I'm like, okay, yep, we're on board. This is what we're doing. Yep, let's it's do real... it. We're riding yeah. the Matresence train. We are, exactly. It's very special, yeah. The, the Sydney show on the 30th of July, um, Ariane Beeston, who's um, a perinatal um, expert in mental health, but also this beautiful contemporary dancer is going to be dancing to my song self. She sent me a video <laughs> of her dancing over Instagram and I could see in her movement that she'd been through a lot and I didn't know anything about her. And it turned out she had postnatal psychosis. And so her, uh, she said she just drawn to that song because um, a friend of hers had gone to my launch and she saw it over Instagram and then sent me this beautiful dance. And then I just can't believe she's going to dance that to that song, and you're going to speak first. Then I'll perform the album. Then she'll dance, and and then we'll have a panel discussion where we sort of deep dive and talk about matrescence and have q and A. Q&A. And I think just what an incredible opportunity to connect and share. And I just whatever magic is around, I'm really into it. Is it's just oh yes, so absolutely. special. Yeah, and I can't yeah. wait for these events in, in um, the UK, so they're gonna be really great. I'm so excited.
1: So please keep checking the show notes for this podcast if you happen to listen to it and we don't have all the details, especially because Claire's doing quite a few more events in the UK mm. than with just with me. Please keep coming back and having a look or follow her on Instagram to make sure you know where she's coming next, regional Australia, the world. We're doing world tour. <laughs> and I got a message from
0: some
2: women in Taiwan actually, who are running a matrescence clinic over there, who were like so like really listening to the album and enjoying it, which just blew me away. I definitely am doing. So we're doing a Saturday night show with you, and then the Sunday afternoon, um, the second of July, there'll be a show in London. Venue to be confirmed, but you're going to be speaking at that. I'll perform the whole album. And then the 6th of July, we're coming to Dublin and we're playing at the Bellow Bar and there'll be more information about that. But those two dates, I'm heading to Edinburgh and also to Glasgow um, and then uh, a few other places, Manchester, I think. But, yes, definitely watch this place. And Instagram is probably the best place to go. And subscribe to my newsletter too for updates. I'll be emailing those through my website, claire20.com. Amazing. That's it. We'll pop that in the
1: show notes too. Claire. Thank you. Thank you for bringing this story of matrescence to all of us through this beautiful music. It connects in a really profound way and it is so healing to be able to listen to it and feel it and dance to it. So thank you for all that you do. I cannot wait to share the stage with you both here and around the world. Um, Thank you again.
2: Oh, thank you, Amy. It's been just an absolute privilege and a joy to meet you and to be working with you. I just, it's a dream come true for me. So I really, really appreciate it. One,
0: two, three, go. Freedom, we want all of it. Spent so long being good girls, can't breathe through it. We're gonna wrap it up, we're gonna tear it down. This cage you want us in no longer fits our crowns Cause we are fire and we can be free We can unlearn all the things that they told us we should be Cause we are fire and we can finally breathe We can unlearn all the things that they told us we should be